This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, January 15th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and I guess I should say a caveat that we record this show on Wednesdays, and so I'm assuming that it's Friday, January 15th, and the world hasn't exploded. If that's the case, joining me from Lovely, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Kaboom. And back... From her secret project, her secret assignment in a bunker, has no idea what's happened for the last 10 days, <laughs> author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Okay, guys, I'm glad to be back. Uh, you guys, uh, we should probably catch her up. Anything <laughs> Jamie, she was oh, gone? Man, I'm Jamie you are glowing. Yeah. You are glowing. I just want to let you know that we see Jamie on Zoom right now. And I have a feeling that when she left, it wasn't working. She came back like she just came from Mount Sinai. You know what That's I mean? what was like, happening. Yes. It was meeting with the Lord. Well, anyway, I want to paint a picture for Jamie. She is, is glowing right now, and she's in her brand new podcast studio that looks awesome. Yep. It, it's got a whole vibe going on. And then I looked over on my cube, and I'm like... Suddenly, I am like a. I look like I looked at my image in the Zoom cube and was like, "That's someone who peaked ten years ago." Like that's what it looks like. It looks like it looks like in your mind. Imagine, imagine post-peak white guy. Like I'm like, when did I become like a picture from like an like a random character in a Judd Apatow movie? That's what I feel like. I'm like, I need to work. The work from home thing has caused all of us just to stop getting ready. In the morning, maybe that's just me. But I like just threw on a backwards hat and I put on like a crew neck sweatshirt with I'm pretty sure has holes on it from a brewery. And I looked at me, I'm like, I look like washed up frat guy right now. Well, you know, and to be fair, your facial hair looks like if somebody like me hadn't shaved in three weeks, but I know you and it's been about probably three hours and you look like that. Yeah. He grows unnaturally fast yeah. facial so, hair. So, J- Jamie, her whole vibe is the exact opposite of mine. Jamie, congratulations. Peak, we're talking <laughs> to peak Jamie, Jamie <laughs> Ivy right now. Mm-hmm. Jamie missed the last week. Jesse lived through the last week. Yeah. And this is what happens. <laughs> that you is know? exactly yeah. right. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So, so wow. uh, Jamie, the, the, the new digs. You said the tiny house is gone? The tiny house is still there. My husband now occupies it. And now I have an office space with an office and a podcast studio. And I well, need to clarify that he's not living in the tiny <laughs> house. Kicked he's him still out. Oh, there. He did the wrong thing. He's occupied it. It was like you took a lunch break and he ran in there and yeah. just is refusing to leave. And he's it's like, like it's he stormed it or something like he stormed it. He stormed it's like it. Mom came to the tiny yeah. house, took it over. Um, Weirdly, he's wearing like a bearskin fur and he's shirtless. <laughs> and Face is painted like an American flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. No, Aaron's working from there now and I'm at my new office and I love it so much. So you it. got the big, I got big, the big upgrade. Office. I got the big upgrade. Yes. And he got the tiny house. Why do you get an office that would have an extra room for him to have an office? 
Listen, Ooh. I always said, no, listen, I've always said, like, I, my husband is a singer, songwriter, worship leader. I used to wish I could sing so that we could, like, be like that couple, you know, mm-hmm. the one that leads together. Uh, I'm uh-huh. tone deaf, so that's never going to happen. And then I used to tell Aaron, can we get an office space? And, like, we have offices next to each other. And he literally is like, I could never work in an office space with you. So he would never <laughs> work in an hey, office space with I- me. I respect that, Jamie, because whenever I see a co- like that worship couple that you're re- referencing, where a church yeah. has a husband and wife worship team, yeah, I mm-hmm. automatically yeah. like I, it's not, Bethel has a yeah, lot of yeah, them exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And here's what I think: that couple also shares a single Facebook page, and they jam their first. <laughs> thing. It's like Mark and Linda. It's just their one first name, and it's like Reynolds. And it's like, guys, it's fine. Just get your own Facebook. They, they're the couple that when there's a booth. They don't sit across. They're they on the sit same next side. to each other. Yeah, and it's like, I'm guys, cool. okay, okay, let's just. Why, why don't you th- you do the early service, Linda? Let Derek <laughs> do the late. Like we don't need. We don't. <laughs> Wait. So you, when you see a couple sharing an Instagram account or a Facebook page, your assumption is they just they're the same side booth sitting. My assumption when I see that is husband got caught doing something bad oh, on the internet Cameron. and now wife shares all the passwords. He should not be on the, like, this should, because it's, I hate like reading, I mean, look, Facebook is slowly bleeding out anyway, especially this <laughs> week, but like, <laughs> the, like, when do you, when you read a comment and it has to have like, it has to tell me which member of the couple said it or who's like commenting. Like in parentheses, Jan? Yeah, it's like, okay, Jan, just get your own page. Like, let, let Frank use know. his content filter Jan. Or whatever. Not trust Frank. I'm telling you right now, Frank got caught doing some bad stuff. Well, then maybe Frank, maybe Frank should shoot me on this, Facebook. Maybe this he, was he the compromise that the wedding count, the marriage counselor <laughs> said, you know, to build the trust back and transparency. Frank does not have any passwords. So okay, well, the reason Aaron Ivy would not want to work with me because he said I would always want to talk to him and then I'd want to eat lunch together, and he's like, it would not be a good work environment. So apparently. I talked to my husband too hey, much. Those are really bad reasons. Like, yeah, well, if we not, work together, I gotta have lunch with you. <laughs> we need to get Aaron on here. That is that's cold up. Oh man, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it for real. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, director, producer, screenwriter Paul Greengrass joins us now. How do you know him? He did. He's the guy behind all the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies. He also has a huge new movie out right now with Tom Hanks called News of the World. Um, it's out on demand today, actually. It's been in theaters over the holidays. Uh, we talked to him about Which why. Which you guys know I'm a movie theater goer, yeah. so I've already seen it in the theaters. How, thumbs did up. You, did you like it? Two thumbs up. Yes, nice. loved it. Awesome. Wow. Uh, we talked Where to is him- he going to do the movie about 2020? Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Matt Paul Damon is uh, as uh, somebody storming the Capitol. That would be amazing. <laughs> you know they're going to make a movie about that. <laughs> they, they're going to have yeah. one about a Capitol it's, Police officer, and it's going like, to be a comedy. Know. It's going to be a comedy as well. Just to well, let y'all know. I mean, honestly, if there were a movie like a serious take on on what they the, what happened at the Capitol, Paul Greengrass would be at the top of the list. He's he's made a name for himself. Not mm-hmm. just with uh, historical adaptations. I think he and he did the um, the nine eleven movie about the 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 other plane that went down in Pennsylvania. Um, ah. I think he also did Captain Phillips. But what you know, the wasn't Paul, Tom Hanks Captain Phillips? He was. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. So good. It was but, so good. But the reason why Paul, I'm the captain Paul, now. I'm the captain <laughs> right. now. Uh, the reason. Look at me. 
<laughs> that's good uh, but paul greengrass is a huge deal especially like he's sort of credited as the guy who as the filmmaker who ushered like hollywood out of the michael bay era because prior to him action movies were glitzy and ridiculous and and huge it was like the nick cage kind of face off you know just right but when he did Born, you know, he kind of innovated this sort of it's almost he took like cinema verte principles, which is, you know, kind of over the shoulder, gritty. It feels like you're just dropped a camera in the middle of the action. And, and that was kind of his strategy for the Born movies where mm-hmm. everything feels tight and real. But then you saw double you saw the James Bond movies do it. You saw Christopher Nolan take that approach with the Dark Knight. Like if it wasn't for Paul Greengrass, you, you know, the movies would look a lot different than they I thought do you were right going to say now. Christopher Guest. I was like, wow, I didn't know Christopher Guest was so influenced by Paul Greengrass. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like these types of movies. I'm not a big action movie guy. I'm not a Michael Bay guy, but I love Paul Greengrass films, like like the Bourne movies. Cameron l- hates everything that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Derek is like, I'm going to try and get you into this version of superhero movies. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And then 10 minutes in, I'm like, nah, it's the man, boys. It's not- <laughs> yeah, well, Boys not, is a great television show. Yeah. I, the, the only thing about those types of ones is like, I, I know that's part of the effect, like the boys or, I mean, there's been a handful, but when they get, when the comic book movies are, they like mix hyper violence with the fun costumes and stuff. I'm like, right. I don't know. Like I don't know. Much. Like, I know that's sort of the intent is to make you uncomfortable, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot. It's, it's well, lot. it's, I mean, the boys is a parody of a, comic books like it's not yeah not that like the only thing i think you probably would like cameron as far as like something that's very real would be the daredevil television show the daredevil on netflix was was it was very much like the dark knight in the sense of the fights were like actual yeah it was very there were actual fights like it didn't feel like somebody's on a zip line like the old kung fu movies like it, yeah. it was you know it was they're good but yeah i like the, the nolan ones i like the nolan ones because they're gritty but it's also like i can wrap my head around the believability of it you know like yes. the backstory makes sense to me that i can buy in you know there's no but, aliens magic there's no right. lasers out of <laughs> right. eyes it's yeah. it's yeah but that's the a whole appeal of batman in the first place that's why he's a lot of people's favorite superheroes because you can relate to him because he's right. just all these superheroes and he's just like a guy with gadgets. Yeah. And, I, I, mean, and yeah. I saw my parents get murdered when I was a child. So, you know, it, I relate. For a very split second, I was like, I was like what? I don't, I thought he talked about his parents at Christmas. That's why I went on sabbatical last year. I was just, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> inner healing. The, the other the other thing is like the the Marvel movies. It's like they they only have one realistic character, and even he's a joke. It's like I'm gonna go spite fight this invincible space god that has a a glove that has elemental stones from every source of magic, and it, our one guy has a bow and arrow with no powers. <laughs> and we're just yeah, sure, man, join the team. Go fight him with a shoot him with a bow. See what that does. See what that does. He traveled through space and is time. it like a magic he, bow? He eats no, planets. This is a regular, it's straight a bow. regular it is, bow. Now. It's not even a cool like hunting bow. It is like a straight up like Legolas Compound bow. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> it's not even like a crossbow, man. It's like, like it has fire on the end or something. There's yeah, fire no, that no, comes he, out of it. So he has like different tips on it. So like some are explosive. 
So some people are invisible. Derek, his enemy. Uh, his leave enemy. Hawkeye alone, man. He's a valuable, <laughs> a valuable person on the Avengers, yo. His enemy is so powerful, he can literally wipe out the population of the entire universe by snapping his fingers. Right. And we got a guy with a bow and arrow on the squad. <laughs> <laughs> leave uh, Hawkeye alone, man. Never. I will never, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the NBA right now, man. Everybody's out because of COVID and teams are playing with like games with literally seven players right now. So it's like that that one random guy who's not actually on the team, like suited up. That's Hawkeye. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about I'm playing. I'm playing for the Pistons tomorrow <laughs> night. It's crazy. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Pistons fan, bro. We a fight over the Pistons. <laughs> Leave us alone, man. I'm suffering enough right I'm now. Getting, I'm getting some shots up tomorrow night. Just watch. I got the great coach gave me the green light. <laughs> they need to put me on a 10 day for real. No lie. But coach, hey. coach gave me one tip. He said, fire away, Jesse. Fire away. <laughs> I uh, said, let it rip. <laughs> Well, I continue with the other stuff coming up later in the show. Uh, we have our new segment, Relevant Recommends, after the conversation with Paul. And then we have our new segment, the second edition of What's Jesse Thinking? Jesse, you're, you're batting a thousand right now, man. One I for know. one. It was a good week. It was a good week last week. And I set the bar too high. I was thinking as I was prepping today, and I feel very good. I feel like I feel like I'll maintain that bar, but I don't know how fast it's 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 I'm running at a thousand RPMs on this deal. And <laughs> next week, it's going to be something really boring just to temper expectations. Right. I don't want what's well, like segment. an album. You can't have all hits. You got to have a few ballads. So the I don't hits want, stand out. You know? I don't want this segment to. to I want to, the hits, dog. I, I don't you want, want all to, hits. You want a yeah. mixtape. You just want, I want the 12 hits. bangers. Give me the, the, but here's the bangers. thing. I don't, I don't want to have the revelation with this segment that I had this morning when I looked at my uh, bro-y <laughs> self on Zoom, which is like, this is a segment that peaked too early. This I have to make sure we're building towards something here, people. All right. Well, all that's coming up. It's going to be a good one. Stay tuned. Up next, Tyler Huckabee joins us for Relevant News. You're listening to Kings of Leon. They're still around. The song is The Bandit. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Please welcome Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Derek, I need my I need my Leave Hawkeye Alone t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Leave <laughs> Hawkeye Alone. <laughs> I need the shirt. I need the merch. Yeah, hey, Tyler, on. were you just biting? Because obviously, I didn't even realize. I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't even realize you were on. I was so locked into my ranting <laughs> no. that, that I, I didn't realize you were actually eavesdropping in on that last segment. 
how how much were you biting your tongue not to be like Jesse? Shut up and you have peaked. <laughs> I don't need. I'm not, I'm not insecure about it. I don't need to. I don't need to. I don't feel the need to prove myself. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time online with the haters and losers. I don't get dragged into every single argument, every single debate that comes up. The satisfaction that comes of being right is better than winning an argument. Are you a Hawkeye apologist? I know nothing about this world. I know that nothing you either. Love. This I, is you know, Tyler, no, tell I'm, about Hawkeye's cool powers. <laughs> <laughs> he is the moral compass of the Avengers. He's like the oh, or he's like that. the he's like the anchor. Like he's like the guy that him and Cap are kind of like. We do what's right, you know. Surely there's somebody in the sport, in like the NBA or NFL world, who's like, he's not. You don't, you don't put him out there to to make the basket to win the game, but you're glad he's there for the like for the for the relative well being of the team at large. Yeah, he's 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 the bow outlaw. He's no 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 Miami (laughs) Heat. Udonis Haslam. He's been on the team for 15 years. He hasn't been on the court in four of them, but they just signed him to a new contract because he's so important on the bench with the young guys and he's the moral compass of the squad. That's the kind of job I want. I want that kind of job right there. I don't really have to get out and play. I just get to be nice to everybody. Well, it's like with the Heat, they're known for their culture, and Udonis is like that 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 standard bearer. When the new guys come in to the team, like Udonis takes them under his wing. So that that's the guy you're talking about. Yes, that's that's yeah. He's 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 there. You know, you need him if you get him out the locker room. You know, next thing you know, they're they're fighting and and you know they're slandering each other on IG. You know, yeah, I got yeah, you. Th- yeah, yeah. There again, he's the one putting out arguments, but he's also the one that is on the peak of the front lines to save the universe with a with a, a, a wooden bow and arrow. Yeah, just the, so glad, <laughs> so glad they got him on the squad. Like having a blowgun guy on in, with Batman. It's like, who's your new partner, Batman? Oh, he's got a blowgun. It's like, when, 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 when is, any, when is anyone going? When is anyone going to combat? When's the last war that's been fought anywhere that someone they have one guy with a bow and arrow, much less an elite team? Just one bow and arrow. It's like the Navy SEALs. Like, hey, do we get the bow and arrow guy? You know, it's not happening. <laughs> Oh, All right, Tyler, please. Though I would love, I would love to see one of those Navy SEAL videos, and the guy in the end of the line's got a drawn bow and arrow, like storming a compound. <laughs> we got a bow and arrow guy. This is serious. Leaning at the back of the jeep, like firing his oncoming tanks. Yeah, Jesse, <laughs> and his arrow goes right down the turret and explodes yeah. it like the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, what do you have, Tyler? Yeah, well, so we uh, we obviously there is a lot happening in the news right now, and uh, the the big headline uh, we're we're not going to be talking about the the impeachment trial or even too much about the D.C. riots today because that situation is moving so quickly. By the time that this episode comes out, you all will probably know more about it than we do right now. Daily that that the news cycle it was like you know. Early in the week, the news was about one thing. Later in the week, the news was about something else. Last week, we literally recorded the podcast on Wednesday midday. 
ended it at 1.30 Eastern and the world exploded at 2. I mean, it is not even day by day yeah. now. It is hour by hour. It is bizarre. I, I yeah. feel like I feel like every time there's a newsworthy scandal out of Washington, like, you know, for example, you know, these recordings of the president calling officials in a state to try to talk them into finding votes. You know, it's like yeah. that's the biggest scandal and story in the world. And it's like literally a, a, like two days later, Wednesday tells Monday, hold my beer. Watch yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's why. So that's why we're not talking. Not because we're not aware of it or don't think it's important, but just because it's a it's a fluid situation on the ground there. So maybe by by the time that we have the next relevant news segment, we'll know more, and obviously we'll be updating on the website with any news that falls into the lane there. But I do want to talk about something that's kind of flown a little bit under the radar this week in the midst of all of this that is still very very important for us. And this is what happened on early Wednesday morning slash late Tuesday night, which was the federal execution of Lisa Montgomery, who became the 11th person so to be executed by the Trump administration this term. Now, this is this is a big reversal for the federal government. Um, last July, President Trump, Attorney General William Barr, reinstated federal executions after a 17-year hiatus. And the administration has executed three people in December and January. That breaks with a very long precedent of halting federal executions during the lame duck session. The fourth and fifth executions of Corey Johnson and Dustin J. Higgs are slated for Thursday and Friday, uh, tomorrow and the next day from, from this recording. Now, uh, I want to talk about Lisa Montgomery's case a little bit, and the details do get a bit grisly, so uh, consider yourself warned here. But in 2004, Lisa Montgomery murdered a pregnant woman named Bobby Jo Stinnett, and she actually made off with her unborn child, who she claimed as her own that child survived that ordeal she's turning 16 this year oh and gosh. for her part Lisa Montgomery actually grew up surrounded with, with some really awful physical and sexual abuse situations. Her mm -hmm. mother forced her to commit sexual acts with local repairmen as a way to pay the bills. Montgomery's lawyers pointed towards her trauma and history of mental illness as proof that she was incompetent for execution. So numerous stays were granted by courts over the last few weeks as debates raged about the legal ramifications of executing people with mental illness. However, the conservative majority of the Supreme Court cleared the way for the execution late Tuesday night, as they have done for the Trump administration's last 10 executions. Now, this debate about mental health and federal executions is going to continue through the rest of today, Wednesday and Thursday, as the federal government prepares to execute Corey Johnson, who was convicted of killing seven people for a Virginia drug gang. Although Johnson's IQ test score at the time of his trial put him at 77, which is just outside the range for intellectual disability, which is between 72 and 75, a subsequent analysis has found that his test scores were likely artificially inflated. That means Johnson probably is intellectually disabled and technically protected from execution under U.S. law. However, no court has agreed to hear the new evidence for the last three decades. I'm going to end here with this quote from a woman named Kelly Henry. She was Montgomery's defense attorney. She told the New York Times, quote, we should recognize Lisa Montgomery's execution for what it was, the vicious, unlawful and an unnecessary exercise of authoritarian power. We cannot let this happen again. It's so yeah. sad that like all that as the this uh, administration is ending, they're rushing so many executions yeah. federal executions i i guess the, the thing for me is what is the benefit right like federally you haven't we haven't executed people in 17 years and then all of a sudden you're like 
oh, let's rush this through. I mean, fool, rush the stimulus through. It took longer to, I'm like, you don't want to rush the stimulus through, but you want to rush killing people through? Like, that's just, it's maniacal in a sense, especially because a lot of people, like a lot of those people were like, we don't even want this person to die. You know, they've, they've like made peace with what has happened and they've gotten facts to the story and they're like, this isn't justice. You know, we don't, we don't, it's just like, you just start rushing death through. Like, it's crazy to me. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Can I ask a clarifying question? It, yes. For these federal executions that haven't happened in 17 years, and I know every state is different. Who is the person that actually is saying, yes, push this through? Is it a federal judge? Is it the president of the United States? Who is actually saying, yes, we're going to start doing this? It's this, it is the Trump administration. Yeah, so whether that's general. President Donald yeah. Trump or or, attorney, or the outgoing Attorney General William Barr, uh, the buck stops with them. So they, they made it a priority to kind of you know put the hammer down, law and order message. We're going to execute everybody on death row federally. It, it, and, you know the, the the use of the death penalty. I feel like is going to be one of the great embarrassments of our you know histor- history. Yeah. Will be you know, will not remember it very well that the most advanced mm-hmm. society ever to emerge on planet Earth that touted its 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 grasp on ethics and morality would allow their government to execute its own citizens. If if it, it, there's a book Shane Claiborne wrote a few years ago called Executing Grace, that if if people you want to be enlightened about the evils of the death penalty and just how arbitrarily it is used. Um, you know, someone can sit on death row for 10 years and get a phone call and realize they're they're going to be executed within a week. Like it makes it makes no sense. Even if even if the book won't convince you of <clears throat> its ethical or spiritual issues, which I personally believe it's always wrong to 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 execute someone. It will it will convince you of how incredibly arbitrary, stupid and unethically it's applied, even mm-hmm. if you were someone who yeah. doesn't disagree with it out of principle. Yeah. You know, a lot of people saw the movie Just Mercy that um, came out a couple sure. years yeah. ago, but right. the book, it was, you know, years earlier. And I always say that that is like if every American should have to read that book. And Brian Stevenson walks through uh, one case in particular through the whole book, but a lot of different cases. And he deals with mental illness and with people with um, low IQs. And he talks about the death penalty and how that what we're talking about, Tyler, with this case right here is how that exception should be made. And that book, like you mentioned, Jesse, that book, that book for me, Just Mercy, I've always been against the death penalty. Um, I, I like you, I don't know how I can be a follower of Jesus and read his words right. and then turn around and say that you deserve to die. Right. Um, and so, but that book, just from like, just a just a, a bigger stance of not even because of our faith, but just because of holes in the justice system. Like, you know, all the time we, I, in fact, I think just this week, someone was released from death row because they found that they were not guilty. And so if we're releasing people from death row because they're not guilty, what is that? How do we know that every person on death row is actually guilty? And so if there's any kind of flaw in our justice system, I think it's atrocious as, as humans that we would say, let's just keep going forward because, you know, maybe they did it. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? There might be a flaw. Who cares? It is but such that's a American, devalue that's of the life. American way, though. Like, you know, I, I hate I, this conversation I, is, is really I'm very passionate about it because being black, I'm one of the most affected people groups in our country with this. But it's like that is the American way. 
The American way is let's not change it, even if it's wrong, unless everybody's mad enough to burn down a building. And then maybe we'll consider, should we change it? Like we've been knowing that especially black people have been getting juries set up to send them to debt. Like, I mean, you look at Emmett Till and you look at how many people are in jail right now because somebody had a bad day and the jury was an all white jury and people believe that jury and no one cared. You know, it's just, it's like for us, it's almost a, if it's, if it it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it is broke, don't tell me about it. And I'm not going to change it unless you start breaking other stuff. That's more valuable than the thing that's broke. I guess it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, and, 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 you know, listen, I'm very optimistic about the incoming presidential administration, but it's we, we the American people elected a federal prosecutor and the architect of terrible war on drug policies. That's just the truth. Now, both of them, Sheesh. you know, ha- have have, you know, kind of revisited some of their uh, philosophies on criminal justice reform, which I think is positive, but it doesn't seem like there is. The impetus for criminal justice reform that when you hear about some of, you know, you know, some of the things Derek expressed or, you know, the 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 arbitrary nature of the execution of capital punishment for federal crimes. It's like, dude, this needs to be top of the list. This need we got we got to we got to reform this. Yeah. 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 And there is a bill that Democrats are planning to launch in the first hundred days that would abol- re-abolish, I should say death penalties at the federal level. Now, that doesn't change what would happen, obviously, at the state level. So it is kind of returning to the norm that happened 17 years ago. But it is on the table for the Democratic administration. So in the next week, are they trying to push through all these federal executions? There's two more on the docket right now, one that would go up on Thursday, tomorrow as we're recording this, and then one more on Friday. The one tomorrow on Thursday is the, and, and it's Derek's point, uh, four of these five lame duck federal executions are for people who are black. Uh, the fifth one was Lisa Montgomery, who was white, who was a white woman. Like who was a white so woman is black, black men and, and, and a woman you, you rush through, you're like, you know what? I got 30 more days left. I don't lost this election. Let me think what I'm gonna do. Oh, guess what? I will reinstate and we'll kill some people. Like that, that's what you thought to do with your last 45 days. And I'm for, I'm forgetting his name, but like the guy who was executed uh, only a couple of weeks ago had, Brandon a Bernard. Lot, yes, had a lot of Christian leaders speaking out on his behalf and advocating for him because, you know, after his heinous crime, you know, in his life in jail, At 18, right, remember he was he, 18, which he is like gave his life to the Lord and like w- w- lived an exemplary life of, 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 you know, being a Christian in jail and, you know, had no mercy and was executed a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, you know, he was a kid almost when he did the crime yeah. that he did. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, you know, powerful people who happen to be friends with other powerful people yeah. who are com- charged and convicted of federal crimes, including we'll get out lying to mm-hmm. the FBI. I mean, just get a pardon, you know, it's, it's it's crazy. Or people who did war crimes over overseas and killed, you know, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Iraqi yeah. women and children. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. They get off. 
you know? I always like, I don't ever want to f- sound like, oh, I'm better than you as a, a Christ follower. But honestly, this one issue of the death penalty, it's always so hard for me to wrap my brain around how someone who claims to follow Jesus Christ, who said the most bold things in the scripture, you know, like if, if a person, you know, ask for your cloak, give them more, turn your back or love those, you know, if you love your neighbor, that's awesome. But you got to love your enemies as well. Like he spoke some very, very bold things that he's asking us to do. And so I, I and I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm better, but I, I really don't understand how someone who follows Jesus can look at another human and say, we should, as human people, we should kill them. That it it literally blows my mind. To, to me, it's, a, you know, obviously we're pro-life because of our faith. And if we're pro-life, like this is <laughs> black and white, a pro-life issue. You know, if you, you I, to me, I can't, I don't understand the justification of being pro-life about the unborn, but you are pro-death penalty. It makes no sense to me. And we posted relevant on our Instagram. We, when, um, when that execution was happening a few weeks ago, we posted on our Instagram uh, uh, based on a piece we ran uh, that, you know, here's the explanation, basically, theologically, how all Christians should be against the death penalty, all. And like set aside partisan <laughs> preferences, this is a life issue that if you're a Jesus follower, you should... <laughs> you know, be clear about. And the comments were wild. I couldn't, I mean, I, wild. The, J- Jamie, you should go. If you say you don't understand, go I, read I saw some them. of them. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's just like, they're like, well, justice and Jesus would kill him too. And I'm like, what, what Bible no, are you he reading? would not. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, well, anyway. there's hmm. a, the, the best Sheesh. teaching, the, the best teaching I ever heard on the idea of vengeance, uh, you know, which I think a lot of people want, um, you know, a lot of death penalty advocates, you know, look at it, it, this sort of like this is a way to kind of get revenge on evil is, you know, when you enact re- any act of revenge, you're stealing from God. Mm. God said, vengeance is mine. He is the judge. And when we when we, you know, take it upon ourselves to, to execute those acts, that is stealing something from God. That's a huge deal. And 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 but there's a lot of just parts of scripture. Christians, especially seems like a lot of Christians these days just willfully ignore. Yeah. But the crazy part about it, too, like, and that's what I think about, especially when I think about Christians. Um, that's this. This is my problem with a lot of Christians and the, their magical view of the Bible and the gospel, because it's so focused on like angels and demons. It's almost like they haven't, uh, you don't think about the humanity of what the fight is for. And like, when you think about, like, I I didn't know much about the, the lady's story, but I mean, man, someone who was being pimped out by their parents for, to, to have sex with repairmen. Derek, Tyler told a very small portion of her upbringing yeah. story. There's a lot I more. I mean, her Damn. dad, her dad built a room outside of their house. So that could happen. Those things yeah. could happen to her and nobody could hear her. He built a, right. a, so, a building back there for that purpose. What's wild to me is, okay, someone who's done that. Now that doesn't give anyone the right to, to, to do anything. No. Worse to anyone else. But what I am saying is the psychological effects of someone going through those types of things will draw you to a level of darkness that, you know, that none of us can understand. So us as quote unquote believers, how can we say, let's not see if what happens if we pull that person 
out of darkness into the light and let's see where their life goes from there. We say, hey, when you were 18, you did this. You're 48 now. We're going to inject this poison into your into your bloodstream, no matter what has happened. If you looked at, if you look at all these people, I guarantee you, you're going to see trauma, trauma, yep, trauma, that's trauma, exactly right. trauma, trauma, yep. trauma, trauma. And, and I'm like, yo, what, what are we doing here? But that shows the cruelness that our country has yet to look in the face and say, yo, we're, we're done with this. We're moving to love and hope. You know what I mean? To that point, Derek, I said a lot of people have never met anyone that has been has endured trauma, or they don't know anyone in a different, um, a, you know, economic class than them, or they don't know Thanks. anyone of a different race. They're just living this like narrow life of white Christian American, and so to them, they're like, "Oh my gosh, how could that happen?" But have you ever sat in a county jail with a girl and heard her story? No. When you do that, it changes your entire outlook on how you see people in the criminal justice system, and that's what drives me nuts because I'm different. I'm surrounded by people that are traumatized and I'm one of the few that have been able to get therapy that has been able to be pulled out of my circumstances and so I'm looking at people that I know I know people that have literally beat people to a bloody pulp but that's an effect of trauma because they were triggered from PTSD different things like that I have I have someone very close to me that uh, was into some extremely, extremely bad things. And when people looked at that person, they said, oh, that person is not going to be anything. That person is going to be, he's going to be just like his dad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I watched that person get pulled out of his environment, live with someone for a year. And then after that year, that person now owns their own truck. They're, they're driving a truck. They're profitable. They're taking care of their family. They're going back and sending money back home, trying to scoop other people out of that environment. But mm. if you don't at least pull people out of their circumstances and, and, and let them have a chance to heal from the trauma, like you don't even know what will happen. And I think that's what's so heinous even about, oh, we're going to put you on death row for 20 years. Yeah. And then you you get your life together. Like the uh, the Brandon guy, you get your life together and it's like, oh, well, we're going to execute you anyway, regardless of the fact that you live most of your life fighting to either undo what you did or uh, uh, repentant and trying to be a better person. It doesn't matter. You did this, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, even if the families, you know, I, I saw some of those people like the families are like, please don't execute this person. And yeah. the government yeah. is like, no, we're doing it anyway. So where's yeah. the justice? Who's getting the justice now? Right. I thought, I, you know, usually the death penalty is like, well, the families, how will they feel if we don't execute this person? But the family's like, no, stop. And the justice system's like, oh, whatever. Kill another yeah. kill another black guy. You well, know? It, it's crazy. It, 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 and I mean, the, the hypocrisy of some people who, you know, act like their values that lean sort of like this libertarianism is like, well, I'm not going to wear a mask because that's tyranny, but I am OK with my government killing people. It's like, what is that? Right. you know what I mean? Like, I, you, how can you be comfortable giving a, 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 an obviously corrupt uh, you know, institution the 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 ability to literally kill its own citizens. I mean, that's what's happening here. And from the spiritual principle too, like of Imago Day, people. It doesn't matter what you've done; you're still right. made in the image of God. Yeah. And 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 if you're comfortable killing a, a, a someone that is made in the image of God of the God we worship, that then I, I that's a very difficult thing to try to, for me yeah. to try to reconcile spiritually. 
And I think that's where it really comes down. There's there's multiple ways to tackle the idea of of, let's say, abolishing the death penalty or at least severely restricting it, whether you come at it from a faith perspective, which which I do. And I think most of us here on this podcast do. Or it's just I don't trust the government to do this. They, they have not proven themselves competent to the enormous responsibility of determining who and do, who does and who does not get to be alive in the world. That's not for <laughs> something as flawed as the government to get to decide. And I don't care particularly which version of that argument you agree with, but I think it's pretty tough, especially for a Christian, to argue with both of those things. Right. Tyler, we were talking about Hawkeye, man. Hawkeye would only kill if there were no options, and he usually shoots to wound. That's why he's such a good archer. Well, and he also yeah. shoots to wound because he's got a lame bow and arrow, and you had to be dead on, or else you're really just going to tick off the to bad wound. guy. The bad he's guy's going to love you a little bit. He's like, dude, did someone just shoot me with a arrow? I mean, I'm going to pull it right out because it's an arrow, and it's not it's a that boxing deadly. glove at the end of an arrow, like it's still a boxing, like bam, t- yeah, like a pl- like like a suction cup at the end of a plunger, like oh, oh no. <laughs> like a bola situation that ties them up. Yeah, it's so many. It's it's look to Hawkeye. Look to he Hawkeye. Can lead, he can lead us out of this. He's proven right. over and over. You don't need to kill to administer justice to those who deserve it. You can just tick them off by shooting them with a with a freaking bow and arrow. Ow, <laughs> man! Did someone just shoot me in the arm with a bow and arrow? Good lord! Who even has one? <laughs> All right, that'll do it for. Stay tuned. Up next, Paul Greengrass joins us. Get to youths, go for the goal, we be now win. Feel the noise in the mind. If you're living up, who knows, you're still a queen, you're still a king. Feel the noise in the mind. Hey, seems like a man's time for you to help a human. Give them a rule, give them one to kill man. You're listening to Popcon. The song is called Yes, I'm Serious, Relevant. That is the sole reason why I selected that song for that break. It's called Relevant. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and many young people have questions about love. In a culture filled with tension over sex, gender, identity, pornography, and sexual abuse, many are asking, is it really possible to follow God's design for purity? Chasing Love is a brand new Bible study resource from apologist Dr. Sean McDowell. In this nine-week study, Sean takes teens and young adults through scripture to answer some of their most pressing questions about love, sex, gender, and relationships. Order today at lifeway.com slash chasing love and save 10% when you use code relevant promo code valid through January 31st, 2021. Well, Paul Greengrass is a, an English director and filmmaker who's made phenomenal movies like the Jason Bourne series, United 93 I mean, we listed them all at the beginning of the show. His most recent, News of the World, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, Paul sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee to talk about News of the World, how grace impacts the characters in his movies, and why he believes storytelling can help lead the country out of a dark place. Here's our conversation with director, filmmaker, Paul Greengrass. Ladies and gentlemen, 
My name is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. It's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see. Well, I grew up with Westerns as a boy, you know, they played on television nonstop when I was a kid in the UK. I never ever thought I would get to make one because they don't make them very often and it had never really occurred to me, to be honest, to try, you know. Look, the genre is a quintessentially American genre, of course, but it's much more than that, really. It's it's mythic. It's it, what is a Western? A Western is a sort of intimate drama, generally around identity. Who are we? Who do we want to be? Who do we fear we've become? Who do we wish we could be? You know, those questions, questions of identity, played out against a vast, unforgiving, desolate landscape. That's a Western in my book. And at a time when America was becoming America. And that's what I tried to do. And I tried, I suppose, in my way to make it feel contemporary, feel as if it bore on today. Because I think, although it's set in 1870 at a time of, it was a time of great division in the shadow of the Civil War. And I think many of the feelings of bitter division, the need for healing, I think uh, 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 resonate with today. most striking thing from the first sort of scene in the movie is that this is a world before television, before radio, before social media, before movies, in a remote place where the only entertainment probably of the year is when the newsreader comes to town with a couple of newspapers and reads some snippets of, of news and stories. In that way, he's trying in his way to heal people, to heal the, the wounds of, of his community. Because storytelling fundamentally is a healing act, I believe. I mean, obviously, it's what I do, what I've always done in my life. You know, we tell stories to each other in church, after church, around the hearth, around the kitchen table, in cafes and bars. The stories that we tell reflect who we are and draw our audience together with us. Sometimes they can divide us, but, but essentially storytelling is an act of connection. And that's why I love that character, because he's engaged. What has he got? He's got nothing. He's lost everything. But he has that most priceless thing, which is the healing power of storytelling. And the communication grows, doesn't it, through the film. People can transcend language. People can transcend their past. People can transcend the pain of the past, the, the pain of division. In the end, we can heal. We just have to find the road to belonging, the road to where we feel we ought to be.
I love the character of Kid because he's he ex- exists, of course, before television and movies and all the rest of it. But how he approaches his world is how I think of storytelling. How you know, in, in my business, you know, when he starts, he says, "I want to." take you away from your hard lives just for just for an hour or two and let's hear about the great changes that are occurring you know he he's going to tell them a story and he's going to entertain them and he's going to tell them some local news about things that they really need to know in this case about the meningitis epidemic interestingly when i wrote that that was well before the pandemic of course now you watch the film it, it but of course in 1870, meningitis and cholera were a, a, a daily threat in many, many communities across America. It was probably the thing other than war, pestilence was the next thing, you know. And so it did become eerily more contemporary as we went along. But you don't start like that. You start by saying, how can I tell this story in a way that people are going to want to go on that journey with those characters? And then you've got to ask yourself, what do you want? What did I want to feel? I wanted to feel that they got to a healing place. Of course, newsreaders, guys who wandered around from town to town reading these, that really began, that had a gospel root, really. In my country, in the UK, those were the Methodist preachers who emerged. And they didn't go into the churches because they were non-conformist and they gave their sermons out in the open air, outside. And of course, as they went around from community to community, and then later the same in, in America, they brought the good news. That's what they did. And... Slowly but surely, the good news would become the news, you know, and they'd bring snippets of local news and then, of course, federal news. And and so it, it emerged with a sort of moral element to it. And that's to do with truth, isn't it? Reverence for the truth, which is mm-hmm. something deeply, deeply present. And I mean, I, I'm not American, but I've had a lifelong love affair with America. I first came to your great country when I was 18 years old and, you know, I love my country and and I love America as much. And, you know, both countries in their way have a, a, a deep historical reverence for the truth, you know. It's an important concept, I think, in your affairs and ours. And ideas contend with each other in the public squares of our newspapers and television screens don't they you know and that's that's called democracy there has to be an underlying shared idea of the truth and at times of strife that gets tested and i think it was tested then and i think it's being tested right now in in my country and in yours You know, you think about your own children and you think about the world they're coming into as young adults. 
and you reflect on the divisions and bitterness of the world and you want it to be better for them. But it's going to be their journey. And when I read this story of the lonely newsreader who meets the lost little girl, the kidnapped girl, and takes her back to his, her surviving family, it felt to me like it was the journey itself was a journey out of division into healing, out of grief into grace, if I can use that expression, where you get the opportunity to make a new start, to turn the page, to grow again, to deal with the pain and the grief and look at it in the face and move on. And I love that about the story because I think it feels very much as we are where we are today. I think all of us, whatever our beliefs, whatever we think about the world, whatever our politics, that doesn't matter. I think 99.9% of us, your great country and mine everywhere, want better days to come, don't we? And hope for them, particularly in this pandemic. And so this film with these two characters in the middle of Texas 150 years ago seems to, to take us on that journey. That was Paul Greengrass. Check out his new movie, News of the World, on demand today. And stay tuned. Up next, you're going to hear this week's Relevant Recommends. And then, what's Jesse thinking? Hey, it's Tyler. Got another round of Relevant Recommends. Those are the books, movies, albums, TV shows, and even games that have our attention this week. This week, we're talking about search parties. Search Party has had an interesting television life, even by today's uh, interesting TV standards. It started off as a TBS comedy in 2016, where it ran for two seasons. The show was renewed for a third season and made the jump to HBO Max, where it will close out its run with a fourth season that debuts on Friday this weekend. Uh, the shift in the show's quality with that move is really notable. You'll definitely see it. But that strange trajectory isn't half as disorienting as the show itself. So Search Party follows the journey of Dory, played by Aaliyah Shawkat. She's an aimless New York City millennial whose life finally finds some meaning when she learns that a college acquaintance named Chantal has gone missing. Dory takes it upon herself to solve the mystery of Chantal's disappearance, dragging her group of reluctant friends along the way. Those friends, uh, we, you've got her wallflower boyfriend, Drew, their uh, hyper-dramatic show-off buddy, Elliot, and scatterbrained struggling actress, Portia. Uh, they aren't as invested in the case as Dory is, since it becomes apparent that none of them were all that close to Chantal. But like any good millennials, they're invested in their friendships, and they're hesitant to rock the boat. And that's really what this is. It's a viciously sharp satire of millennial culture. Maybe TV's best earnest attempt to really roast millennials, since it feels like it's coming from millennials themselves instead of a group of preachy boomers or whatever. This call feels like it's coming from inside the house. The tone of the series is a little hard to describe. It mixes 
black comedy, uncomfortable drama, and genuine thrills on the way to exploring Dory. Uh, she can be sympathetic, she can be alarming, she can be very frustrating, and she can even be despicable in turn as she struggles to keep control of the story she's telling for herself, even as things spiral wildly and absurdly out of control. Now, those familiar with Shawcat from her time as Maybe on Arrested Development will be impressed to see just how well she's grown as an actor. She really nails Search Party's very tricky tone. She gets it just right. And her co-stars are as good. Uh, you've got John Paul Reynolds, who is Drew, John Early as Elliot, and Meredith Hagner as Portia. They're also very deft in their depictions of sort of this, this heightened reality. It feels like part Broad City, part Killing Eve. The show is wrapping with season four. It's probably just enough time to tie up loose ends and the show has so far gotten a little better with each season so here's hoping it ends on a high note we recommend it you can check out relevantmagazine.com for more relevant recommends i'm tyler huckabee you're listening to purity ring the song is obadir okay it's time for the second installment of Jesse thinking. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's my first time to hear that. I love it. Very good. It's very good. Jay Clark had about three weeks of uh, uninterrupted work. All right, Jesse, what you, what are you thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. I think the CIA is hilarious. And here's why. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, we've talked a couple times on this show about aliens and how, you know, there's been these minor disclosures that the government has, right. you know, sort of leaking out over the course of a couple of years, sort of wetting the appetite of, of the American people. You know, some of them are admissions. Most of them are admissions that are, are you know, Air Force has encountered weird objects flying around and we don't know what they are like it's an acknowledgement of that right well there is one guy his name is john greenwald jr and he's been obsessed with ufos dating back to the 80s and he is reasonably convinced that the government knows a lot particularly the cia about aliens and has for 20 years been working on disclosure and trying to tr trying to convince the the government to finally release everything they know about it and give it to the american people so he he claims to have filed thousands of freedom of information act requests and dedicated what? much of his he's he says that he's he's filed over 10,000 separate freedom of information requests dating back uh, over 20 years so he spent much of his adult life trying to get these disclosures, right? right? And so he was pretty ecstatic when in December, you guys may remember the, the coronavirus uh, relief bill that was going through Congress. And it, the reason it took so long is not just because of, uh, you know, government incompetence. It's because this bill, uh, law, every law, just the nature of how that, that bill was coming down the pipe and the timeline of it, lawmakers saw it as their last chance before the close of the year to get a lot of their pet projects funded. And so lawmakers were just jamming their kind of own little requests Pork. for money yeah. or things in their district. I mean, there's all kind, yeah, research, you know, weird research projects. They were just jamming it in because they knew 
there's such a high level of motivation for this bill to pass because it's going to give the American people some stimulus money that let's just jam things in and probably no one's going to look or they're not going to, it's not going to be a big enough deal that it's going to go through. Well, one of the things that was in that a lawmaker slid in there is that it would give the CIA 180 days. It would give them six months to mm-hmm. release their UFO files finally, largely what? thanks to this guy, John Greenwald Jr. That's in the COVID relief bill i saw this the other day it's in the covid relief bill and they said you have six months to do it well uh so so john greenwald is excited all of his work is finally paying off well the cia has a little method that when forced into a corner they they decided that uh uh you know everyone's gonna be waiting six months for this thing when it's finally time for it to be revealed it's gonna get a lot of press the cia does not like press right they do not like media attention so they decided to surprise John Greenwald last week, a day, two days after the storming of the Capitol by telling him, here you go, because they knew if they release the information between now and the impeachment, <laughs> no one's going to talk about it. And no one's going to care. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're Genius. smart. So, 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 they, so they call up John Greenwald and be like, hey, man, I know you're waiting six months. But uh, so it's flown largely under the radar for pretty because the other stories have been preoccupying the American psyche. So this information has now been released. And not only has it been released, but here's how they released it to John Greenwald. It's almost like they're trolling. Like it is. This is why the CIA is hilarious, because they gave it to him in the form of a CD-ROM. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, to literally quote John Greenwald, who even has a device that can play a CD-ROM? Not me. So, so Derek, describe the cover of this CD-ROM. By the way, right. CD-ROM is just a funny word. Okay? Like, I haven't thought about a CD-ROM. Like, the last time I thought about a CD-ROM was like, oh, Oregon Trail has an update. You know what I mean? Like, I, I ain't gonna lie, yo. This, what this joint looks like is... is is a uh it's like somebody's independent worship yes. album um, <laughs> yes. with, with a uh, with a sticker yep. on it and it, yep. it's a, it's it's bluegrass so it's a bluegrass mm. worship album with a a heat sticker on it. Um, it's got the typewriter uh-huh. font and like alien green. It no, says but this- they ha- it's so it's alien green with with the 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 lettering is alien green with purple border like the yeah. shadow like they made. What is the picture of? Is it like trees UFO. or something? There's a flying saucer. Oh, there's a UFO. Okay, sorry, I just saw it. It yeah. kind of blended in. Yeah, this and it's got great. official seals on the bottom, and it says yeah. this medium is unclassified, approved for release, and it says UFO collection. It looks not going to lie. I would to, me, to me, it looks like in the '90s when I would go to like New York City or New Orleans, and there's people outside like the, uh-huh. passing out their CDs for people to it's get. A That's what it looks like. It's yeah. a mixtape, right. but but a very janky mixtape. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Like, but but the, the other thing too. If I was in like an independent music store, like in the early aughts when those were a thing, and I stumbled on this CD and was like, "Dude, this is gonna sound dope." I cannot wait. It says UFO collection on it. This is gonna sound awesome. I don't know who these guys are. So anyway, so Greenwald gets this CD-ROM, and he has uploaded all of its content to a a website that he's that he he he. Uh, 
maintains called the Black Vault. But he does caution that uh, it appears that the CIA has, in his word, made it largely unusable by using what he called very outdated file formats, <laughs> like <laughs> screenshots that were then put into PDF form and then put into gigantic dot TIFF files. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so basically, they're unsearchable. Much of them have black marker redactions. It's going to be possible. There will be in the coming weeks people that go through these and probably find interesting stuff. But when uh, when John Greenwald described it to Vice, he said he, he capitalized the word incredibly difficult uh, in his emails back and forth. <laughs> I just love how hilarious the CIA is. Like, you know, they were like, hey, guys, we got to put this thing together. And, and you know, they've been sitting on the CD-ROM until their hand was forced. And they're like, let's do it after that big riot at the Capitol because no one's going to care. And even the, the person that designed it, they're like, make it look as sketchy as like if someone has a computer that actually can have a CD-ROM intake. Make it look like this will download a virus on their com- computer. That's what this looks like. The CIA, the bottom line is they're hilarious. Who knows when we'll get the truth about aliens. But I just appreciate their hilarious trolling, totally straight face uh, in a week when, you know, I feel like we all could use a little laugh. Yeah, we. I needed that one. I needed that the one. The only problem with this, Jesse, is if they weren't trolling, if this is their real, like, how we deal with things, that's a, that's another thing that should be called into question. Yeah, either way, it's hilarious. Whether <laughs> intentionally <laughs> or unintentionally. Jesse, you know? think about it. The CIA, this is amazing. You're talking about trolling each other. So this guy filed 10,000 uh, Freedom of Information Act, you know, suits uh, to try to get this information. The CIA didn't want to give it up. Finally, they have to give it up. They hand him the CD-ROM, and I'm on the dude's site right now, theblackvault.com, yeah. and yeah. he said, here's Poor what guy. they gave us. Here's everything they gave us. It's 2,780 pages where they took documents, like you said, and turned them into TIFF files, like image files. He then is now having to go through 2,780 <laughs> image files and convert them into text files, PDFs for his website. That is the biggest troll that they're like trying to say, like they're annoyed with this dude. So we're not going to make it. this easy I, for you. That's amazing. That's what I'm saying. They are hilarious. It's amazing. It's amazing. They're like, hey, it's amazing. we should screen. Hey, he's like, we should screen shot him and make them each individual JPEG files. And then some guy's like, no, 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 no. Make them one big, better. make them one big tip. 2,800. <laughs> 70 pages that he it's has awful. to go hand it's by awful hand. And good. They're like, here you go, John Greenwald. Thanks for blowing us up with 10,000 requests over the years, man. Yep. One would have done. You know, one would have done. We worked at it. They, they put it in the coronavirus, Phil. You force our hand. Here you go, pal. Have fun. All right, that'll do it for. What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Huh? I, 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 like, to think huh? John, I like to think John Greenwald. John Greenwald, he's like, you know, what? I don't even want to know about aliens anymore. Like, seriously, <laughs> this, is this is too much work, man. I got, I, I spent, I spent twenty years on this. This is just too much. I've, I got to pivot to something else. Well, many thanks to Paul Greengrass for joining us. Make sure to check out his new movie, News of the World. It is out now. It's on Apple TV, Prime Video, or Vudu. It's out today. And also, before we wrap, I want to remind you: make sure to check out the new issue of Relevant. The January February issue is out now. Features Pharrell Williams on the cover and a lot of other great content. You can check it out at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab and there it is for free. The new issue, digital edition 
of Relevant. Also, make sure to check out the new Friday column that we have, Relevant Recommends, every Friday at RelevantMagazine.com. You'll hear more of our picks and what we're into each week. You can check that out. And also... While you're there, sign up for our new daily newsletter. Relevant Daily is our top five most trending articles sent to you every morning. We also have a new daily devotional, Deeper Walk. Not only is are those available in the faith section at Relevant's site, but you can also sign up for the Deeper Walk newsletter to get those devotionals sent to you every morning. Look at all that stuff going on. The new issue of Relevant, Deeper Walk, and Relevant Daily. All available now at relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Miner. We're glad you're back, Jamie. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday if the world hasn't burned down. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Who's your new partner, Batman? Now he's got a blowgun. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.